we've been in a message series uh, titled Sent. So um, uh, throughout this series, um, we've had different people from our staff, different key leaders from our church uh, preach at different moments uh, of this series. And, and you came on a great Sunday because we're going to have one of our key leaders, and I'm going to invite him up to the front in just a second. But uh, Dale Henshaw serves as one of our uh, ca- council members uh, at Ponca City Church, helping provide and resource for the finances. And uh, we're just thankful that this morning, um, I don't know if many of you guys knew this, but uh, we, like I mentioned during the offering, uh, I just feel so fortunate to stand on the shoulders of those who have come uh, before me. This church has been around for 65 plus years. You might not have known that. And there have been seasons of faithfulness for, from leaders before. Uh, Dale, who I'm about to invite up, who's going to be preaching this morning, actually, if you didn't know this, was one of our former pastors. When I literally think about the shoulders and the honor that I have to stand on, I think of this man. And here's what I love about Dale, is that he's one of the kindest and most shepherding people that I've ever met. Anybody ever have bad days? I'm the type of person that occasionally I have really, really bad days. And there's days where I'm like, I want to give up. And then just in the right time, it feels like I always get a call from Dale who says, hey, pastor, let's go to lunch. And I just sit there, and literally this is what happens each and every time I sit there with lunch. He looks and he sees things that I don't see in myself, and he pulls them out. How many of you guys know that's one of our commissions? To look at people and see them for who they are in the image of God. And pull that out and remind them of who they are. And I think it's beautiful to understand that as a former pastor, as a former person who's been so, uh, such a blessing to the shoulders that I'm honored to stand on in our church's history, he's taken such a beautiful posture to say, this isn't about me, but pastor, I'm in this season to serve your vision, to support, to encourage you. He embodies what I believe is sometimes a generational divide that represents a bridge that bridges generations together that I think is so powerful and witnesses so, something so powerful to those who are outside of the church community as generations bond together, as differences band together under the same vision and the same power of what God is doing. So I say all that because I'm so excited to welcome up to the stage. And can we do this? He's our family. But can we stand up on our feet right now? And can we give it up for none other than Dale Henshaw as he comes to the stage this morning to preach the word. Come on. lunch. Okay, maybe once in a while a little something fumbles out of my mouth and pastor interprets it that it might apply to him. I don't know. I'm <laughs> I love you, pastor. <laughs> I don't know where Ben slipped off to. You know where Ben slipped off to? I don't know. Boy, isn't Ben wonderful? Even though, even though he had to slip out, give him a hand. Yeah. Those of you that don't know it, I wish he was here. I, those of you that don't know, but but Ben has joined our one of our usher teams. Is that great? Yeah. I, I, I just love Ben so much. He is so uh, such a wonderful man. He warms my heart. <clears throat> so our prayer this morning, mine, as we begin to study a little bit is that God will just impact our hearts and our spirit with just maybe one little something individually something that we can take 
to those around us. You ask most people, well, what did Pastor preach on last Sunday? And we're trying to remember all of the things that he said. Well, I admit, I can't remember everything that Pastor said last Sunday. But if there's one or two nuggets as the week progresses that the Spirit can keep hidden in my heart, then those one or two nuggets can be used as the week progresses to minister to people that we encounter. Now, I love everything that Pastor TD and Pastor Callie and Pastor Sarah share with us. I love every word of it. But, but the human mind is not such that it can remember every word that somebody says. So I'm not foolish enough here this morning, even as wonderful as they will be. I'm not foolish enough here this morning to think that you're going to remember every word that I say. And so my prayer is just that the Lord would open our hearts and minds and there would be a couple of nuggets that we would pull out and we could carry with us next week and share with somebody that uh, we touch as our lives progress. We're going to talk a little bit about this morning about discovery and results. Now, last week, Pastor, he shared with us about Paul and Barnabas and the opposition that they encountered. Anybody remember that? Okay, good. All right, there was three, Pastor. <clears throat> it's better than last month. There was only two. You're making, you're making progress. Hang in there. Pastor Callie preaches. Boom. I don't ever forget a word. Boom. I go home and I'm like, Pastor, you know, Peggy can be out front and doing the thing with the cards. And after church, she'll go, well, what did Pastor Callie preach on this morning? Oh, hallelujah. Glad you asked. Boom. And I can give her every word. Well, I can tell them everything she said. You know, but three. We're good. He shared how a group of Jews and Gentiles wanted to stone Paul and Barnabas. But then he concluded his teaching by reminding us that they had slipped away. In fact, I think the uh, word that the uh, scripture um, uses here is that they found out about it and they fled hmm, to the next town. Didn't... Um, See if we got any country western fans here this morning. Oh, love you, brother. Oh, little little uh, Jack. No, that's good. Okay. So they fled. Didn't Kenny Rogers write a song about that? I, I heard that he got saved, and I think he wrote a, wrote and sang a song about that. It was something about you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Yeah. Know when to walk away, know when to run. He was singing about Paul and Barnabas. I, I, you know, I mean, you can interpret that however you want, but I know in his heart he was singing about Paul and Barnabas. And he was reading this scripture when he wrote it. You know, he was like, boy, you got to know when to flee. Hmm, you know, Paul and Barnabas, you know, these people, I don't know about you, but I've had people throw stones at me uh, literally a time or two. And uh, one day I was going to meet this group of guys, and, and uh, they were throwing rocks at me. And one of them said, missed you. And I went, hey, I missed you too. And he goes, no, really, I mean, I missed you. <laughs> okay, anyway, they really weren't. <laughs> just let it be. So let's, let's just read quickly the portion this morning that I'm going to continue. 
Pastor uh, T.D.'s preaching. And I'm going to look at, uh, begin with verses 8 and 9. It says, In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. Well, he listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. And he called him out. Paul called him out. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Now, what we see here in these uh, three verses is we see the natural flow of ministry. There is a naturalness about the ministry that should be going on in our lives from day to day. There's a natural flow. Now, very often, we mistake and confuse natural flow for patterns. God didn't call us as Christians to be pattern followers. Now, my mother, in addition to being a pastor and a minister for, she ministered for, uh, oh, I don't know, 60, 70 years, something like that, somewhere around that neighborhood. In fact, she pastored back when women couldn't pastor, and I think there were some that threw stones at her. But at any way, she was also a seamstress. And I remember growing up that when she would be there at the kitchen table and and she'd have all this pattern laid out on this cloth, and she'd take her scissors, and she'd just, and then she'd, no, very, any of you ladies ever built, sewed something by, you got to be very specific. If you're not very specific, then this arm's done like this, and this one's up like this, and the people that had promised to pay you and buy that dress you were going to sew, they suddenly have some emergency come up, and they don't have the money. But at any rate, in that position, she had to follow the pattern very, very carefully, explicitly, every little cut, every little turn. She had to follow it. If she didn't, things wouldn't work out. Well, in the Christian life, the scripture does give us some patterns to follow. But what we do is we mistake the flow of life and ministry that should naturally be flowing from us because we buy in to the pattern syndrome. In other words, we begin to believe and, and we have been taught for decades that if you do A, if you say B, and you believe C, that D will happen. It doesn't work that way in the scripture. It doesn't work that way. But we spend a lot of our lives thinking to ourselves, now let me see, if I remember right, the book said, sometimes that's our first mistake, the book said, believe, A, Now, see, now, God, now remember we're talking about Jehovah, the God of all the universe, because I did A, B, and C exactly the way that someone had taught me 
that I would do in such a situation that D had to happen, and now God was forced, Jehovah, Elohim, the king of the universe, now he was forced to get up from his throne and do what I had told him to do. Well, I don't know about you, but that's pretty dangerous stuff. I don't think I want Elohim. I don't think I want him getting up off his throne and doing something because Dale told him what to do. Now, I mean, I know I'm wonderful, and I know I say glorious. And thank, let's just take a moment. Mm, hallelujah. Anyway, I know that that, that happens. Whew, wait a minute, i got to take a moment just to kind of rejoice in who I am. But it doesn't always happen that way. And what we want to see here this morning is that by always doing A, B, C, expecting D, and other things we'll discuss, that we miss what ministry really is all about. We miss the life flow of what God wants us to do in our lives. Now, let me tell you a story, a true story. I told Pastor this, and I won't tell you that he chuckled and made fun of me. I think it was more like a belly laugh. At any rate, so early in the years, I was a youth pastor. And I was a pastor at this church, and, and we had a man in our church who all called Tom. It wasn't his name, but we'll call him Tom. He was sick. He was an elderly man, and he was in the hospital. And the senior pastor called me in, and the senior pastor said, Dale, I want you to gather together a group of men. I want you to fast. I want you to pray. I want you to just be before the Lord, and I want you to go out to the hospital, and I want you to pray for Tom. Well, that was pretty cool. You know, I got together a group of men, and boy, we all agreed, and we fasted because we knew that was the first step. And then we got together, and we prayed, and then we got in the car to go to the hospital. I don't even know who drove because we were all praying in the spirit. I, I know someone drove, but I don't know who it was at this time. I don't think any of us drove. I think it was, we, you know, we got to the hospital, and we walked up, and boom, the doors opened for us. That might have been electronic. But anyway, we go into the hospital, and we're going down to Bill's room. Oh, excuse me. We're going down to Tom's room. <laughs> we get down to Tom's room, and as we're going in, we're kind of looking in the hallways to see who else is going to need to be healed and raised this morning. You know, We go in, and we get there at Tom's bed, and Tom's like, hey, Brother Dale, you know, it's kind of weak. And I said, Tom, you know, we're here this morning to raise you up. And, get you off of your deathbed, hallelujah, you know, we fasted, we, everybody was like, oh, hallelujah, mm. you know, everybody was like, you feel this, mm. hurry up and get it done so we can heal somebody else, anyway, so we get down there, and well, we're laying hands on Tom, and we're praying, and back then, you know, we believed that you had to command, Whew. anyway, so we were commanding God, and we were doing all of this, and we were doing all that, and oh, hallelujah, it was wonderful, Tom from his bed looked up at us, and he went, and died <laughs> kind of blew a hole in what we had in mind <laughs> you know, we were kind of like oh hmm so we kind of slunk back to the car you know I knew who was driving going home so anyway so we get back and they drop me off at the church and the pastor was waiting there on me and I go into the pastor's office 
pastor says, how'd that work out for you? Well, not too good for Tom. <laughs> she said, how'd it work out for you? And I said, not what I expected. She said, oh, how was that? Well, I did everything that I've been told to do. You know, I fasted, I prayed, I whatever, whatever. I did my A, B, C, and we got to the hospital, and we went A, B, C, and Tom died. That's why when we got to D, it was death. At any rate, so what I'm saying is, is the natural, I'm not saying, you know, we were young, you know, we knew everything, you know, maybe just a little less than I know today. But anyway, um, Anyway, ABC doesn't always work. It really doesn't. Now, I don't know why we were all ready to go and all prayed up and fasted up and, and then we laid hands on Tom. Maybe we laid hands too strong on him. Maybe one of the guys had him by the throat or something. I don't know. We were in the spirit. But anyway, so, but he died. Well, what did I learn from that? I learned that God can't be manipulated. I learned that just because I did this, this, and this does not mean that God's going to do this. God was saying to us, you know, Dale, sometimes you got to spit in the mud and make a little mud and rub it on the eyes. We never once thought to ask God what his will was. Doesn't the scripture say that you pray and your prayers aren't answered because you ask amiss? That seems to tell me that a lot of times we aren't bothering to ascertain God's will. So at any rate, excuse me, we discover that we need to stop even today. We need to stop ABC thinking. And we need to begin to just relax and find a natural flow. And out of that natural flow of life, we discover that things are happening all around us. If we're not careful, one day we discover that most of our life has slipped by. And in some respects, we're still playing, praying, and pleading, and asking God, What's my ministry? What should I be doing? Tell me, God, what should I do? Well, Paul, in that first portion of Scripture, can't you just see how natural it was? It was a natural flow. Paul was just there, and he was teaching. And as he was teaching and talking, he looked down across the group, and as he was doing like all good speakers do, he was looking, and all of a sudden he went, some faith in here. That guy right there, I think he's got faith to be healed. Okay, well, let's take just a minute and let's just pray. Okay, get up on your feet and go your way. And then he goes back to preaching. You know, it was just a natural flow. But we get so busy doing ministry or at least that which we are seeking and hoping that God will bless and give us that we forget to minister. And there's a 
big difference between doing ministry and living a life like Paul did that when he's just doing what God has called him to do, that in the middle of it, he just stops and goes, oh, hey, oh, yeah, I see faith. Uh, okay, I'll look, let's pray about that. I remember one time that someone interrupted my sermon when I was waxing my elephant so wonderfully and said that he wanted to be saved. Do you remember that, Jim? Yeah. And he just, right in the middle of my sermon, what? What do you want? I'm like, oh. Like I prayed and prayed, and I, I know God told me A, B, and C, and now all of a sudden you throw me an E. I thought, what am I supposed to do? So I thought, okay, just be calm and get through this. No matter what they say, I, you can work it out. So I said, yes. What is it you want? His mother said, what? You know, you were preaching, Pastor Dale. And my son said, I'd like to be saved. Whoa, that kind of took the air out of me. I was like, whoa. Well, if you're just after church, if you'd go see uh, so-and-so, they'll help you, you know, and they'll, uh, you know. I said, no, I can't. I said, okay, let's pray. Let's pray. Ask God into your heart for this young man, you know. So it seemed like forever in my life, that God was always intervening in my ministry asking me to minister. So when I discover and grow comfortable with that which God has called me to do, then I begin to see true ministry. I begin to see results. Now, am I ever going to go to Kenya and see 20,000 people saved and slain with the Spirit? Probably not. I mean, I'm just, I'm probably not. I used to think I would, <laughs> but probably not. Well, Brother Dale, you just don't have faith. Well, okay, I have faith, but, but it's probably not going to happen, you know. Well, am I going to go to Russia? preach in a train station like my oldest son did and see 2,000 people come to know the Lord in one happen? No, probably not. But here's you know what I am going to do. I'm going to hang out here in Ponca <clears throat> and God's going to cause my life to intersect with other people's lives and hopefully I'll be smart enough and mature enough to stop and experience my true gift. Once I discover my true gift and I accept it, now you've got to accept it. Part of the problem with this discovery and result process is that I don't want to accept what God has asked me to do because I want to go to Kenya. I want to see 20,000 people saved in an hour. I don't want to do what God has called me Dale to do and be. So we make this discovery process so difficult. And we spend so much of our life going, oh, Jesus, just 
and I'm not being facetious of prayer, but we pray and we're like, oh, I've been praying this same prayer for 40 years. Oh, just pray with me that Jesus would, would just relieve, just reveal the ministry that he has for me. I'm thinking, to me, it seems pretty simple. You got these gifts over here. I mean, I'm not a gift identifier, you know, but you got these gifts over here, and I'm kind of thinking, you know, maybe you ought to just, uh, maybe you ought to just do that. Chuck Gerard, for any of you that happen to remember who Chuck Gerard was, he wrote and sang a song on one of his albums called Little Pilgrim. And in that song, he was talking about two things. First, he was talking about people that were seeking the Lord and they were in need of salvation. Secondly, he was talking about his own life. He was talking about how that we, as Christians, get so caught up that we move off to the left. And we get off out there to the left and all of a sudden we go, ooh, man, that didn't work out. And so we have to come back to the main road anyhow. And now we've got all that lost time to make up for. And so we go on with our life and pretty soon we get all caught up and boom, we're off to the right. And we're over here, oh Jesus, if you would just let me be Pastor TD, you know, if you'd just let me, may I say, be like Blessed Brother Dale. <clears throat> hmm. I have some faith pledge envelopes I have available for those of you that want to join with me in my ministry. Anyway, pastor said if I wanted to pass them out, feel free to, to go ahead and do that. I, I don't know. Well, Bill, you're a great mechanic. Hmm. Could you help me fix my car? Yeah, sure. Socket and screwdriver, boom, 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 half an hour under the tree. Well, Patricia, you're a wonderful cook. Could you help help us? Could you make a meal for the neighbor here that's sick? Oh, yeah. Little flour, a little, little spatula. Boom, in the oven. Lick the spatula. And, oh, you ladies, when you cook, you don't lick the spatula? I know you do. I've seen you. <laughs> I even see on TV on those cooking channels when those cooks are cooking, they get a spoon and they go like, and then two minutes later, they go to another pan, and they pick up, it looks to me like the same spoon. <laughs> I'm thinking, huh, that's, you know, all they, they uh, I know they cut the cameras when they're licking the spatula. Man, I used to, when my mother cooked, and my mother was the worst cook in the world. We'll talk about that another day. But she was. My mother couldn't cook water. Yeah, but she could preach a sermon. I tell you what, boy. But, I mean, she, one time I went down to her house and, and they had this freezer full of meat and I go down there and I pick out a couple of nice, beautiful ribeye steaks and I get them out and I lay them on the counter, you know, and I'm going, yeah, hmm, I think I'll barbecue those when they thaw out. And about an hour later I'm going, I'm hearing, I'm thinking, what is that? You know, I'm smelling something. I'm like, what? I go in the kitchen and 
church. I go, Mom, what are you doing? She goes, oh, had some bacon grease that was about to go bad. So I threw it in the pot and threw them steaks in it, and I'm frying them up for you. You know what I'm thinking? And I'm going to have to eat them and smile. All the time I'm thinking, Mom, why in God's name hasn't somebody told you that you can't cook? My dad did, but I don't think she was hearing because she loved him so much. Well, what do you want me to do, Jesus? Well, I want you to do natural things, okay? But I'm not happy with God, what God has asked me to do. So I want to do something else. And usually it's that elevated thing, you know? I, I don't want to be like Paul. I don't. I've been to Southeast Asia and the Middle East. And sometimes that didn't work out so well for me. I didn't want to be there, you know? I don't want to be like Pastor T.D., okay? First of all, I can't grow my hair that long anymore. Oh, some of you chuckling. I'm looking out there thinking, there's a couple of you men that can't grow hair at all, you know, but let that be. Let's just let that be. And then secondly, every time I go to buy blue jeans, I look, and I, for the life of me, I can't find blue jeans with holes in the knee. So, so I have to buy these. Because I know if I'm going to be like, like Pastor TD, I've got to get long hair. And Yeah, Brian, don't, don't be looking around now. <laughs> oh, did I bend over and you see that I got to, I'm sorry. I need to get me one of those Jewish yarmulkes. So when I bend over, I'm kind of like, and nobody knows that back there, you know, I go to my, I, I go to my uh, hairstylist and I notice when she gets back here, she doesn't spend much time. I asked her one time, I did, I asked her one time, I said, how come you spend so much time up here and not very much back there? And she goes, on what? <laughs> I was like, I don't think I like that, you know. And then I told her one time, I said, I said, I, if you'd, you know, if you'd dye my hair silver, I think it'd be kind of cool. She said, if you just hang out two or three months, it'll all be silver anyway. You know, I was like, well, excuse me. You know, I, I don't want to. Okay, so, but, but seriously, I can't be Pastor TD. I, I can't be who he is. Now, neither do I want to be like Pastor Callie. I don't like throwing up. Okay. I've thrown up a few times before, and my heart goes out to her. It does. I'm serious now. I don't like throwing up. You know, none of you do, but I don't really like it. Now she's got her hand over her stomach going, oh, I think I can feel it now, you know. <laughs> yeah. Pastor TD's praying, oh, Jesus, come on, help it. You know, one time I was throwing up so bad, I was laying on the bathroom floor, and I was so sick that Peggy came in and said, honey, here, let me help you back to bed. I said, no. Just leave me here. I'll die here. So Peggy, being the loving wife that she is, she said, okay. So we can't be all of those people. We got to be ourselves. That's what God wants. So, so let's move on quickly. After that man was healed and jumped up and began to walk, which, which was, would have been glorious, would have been glorious to see that, you know. 
when the crowd saw, when they saw what Paul had done, they shouted, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Now, I would have been cool with that. You know, if they'd have said, Dale Hermes. No, I wouldn't have. But anyway, so they called him because he was the leader. And then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes, they rushed out into the crowd, and they began to shout, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from those worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven, crops in their seasons, and he provides with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. Okay, now, first of all, that's a, that's a mistake. That, that must be a mistake of translation because Paul is saying that God has shown kindness to them and he's given rain from heaven and crops in their seasons and he provides them with plenty of food and fills their heart with joy. I, I thought the people that didn't accept Jesus were supposed to be miserable and whatever, whatever. whatever. I guess when the scripture said it rains on the just and the unjust, maybe there must be some truth there, I guess. Anyway... Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. So the second thing that I want to say to you this morning is give God his due. Don't ever think that we can take the credit for something that God has done. When we start taking the credit for what God has done, we find ourselves in a real bind. Think about King Herod. You can search it out at home. King Herod, in uh, Acts 12, 21 to 23, he took God's credit. They said, oh, this man's like a god. And King Herod goes, eh, check that out. I wondered when you discover it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And God struck him down, gave him worms, and he died. Don't take God's credit. God, he don't get along well with that. When God does something, God needs to receive his due. Well, you know, I mean, there should be a little due left over for me. I mean, after all, I've got all 12 gifts of the Holy Spirit. You want to touch my hand this morning? No, I guess not. Anybody over here want to touch my hand? No, I guess not. Anybody over there got $10 they want to put in my hand? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's really a big no. <laughs> right? <clears throat> Don't take God's credit. When God does something through you and touches someone else, don't begin to think that we are that mighty, wonderful, gifted man or woman that God... Woo, hallelujah. I had a friend, he called himself Son of Man. 
And he would get on the radio and he would go, Son of Man comes to you this morning and he speaks to you. He wants to heal you by Son of Man touching you. I'm like, man, that's kind of dangerous, you know. I don't think I'd be doing stuff like that, you know. And when someone would get healed in his ministry, he'd, oh, man, it'd be on the radio. Oh, I put my, and I remember the Spirit of God coming upon me. Mm-hmm. Can you feel it, Pastor? Mm-hmm. And I laid my hand on them, and as 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 the Son of Man, oh, as I laid my hand, oh, God raised them up, and I went, oh, glory to God. Who else needs to touch the hand of me this morning? You know, because the power of God is on. I'm thinking you might end up like Herod. And I don't know about you, but being filled with worms is not a real glorious way to go. I'm thinking that's just not a way I want to go. I mean, I can think of one or two other ways, you know, but God striking me with worms is is not one of it. So don't take the credit for the gift that God has given you. I know that sometimes in life that I have the magic touch. They wrote a song about me once, and it was something like, ooh, the magic touch. Ooh. You guys, some of you remember that song. Anybody here remember that song? I guess not. Okay, anyway, I don't have the magic touch. God has the magic touch. And I don't know about you, but if God is arising from his throne and he's going to extend that magic touch. I don't know about you, but I'm going to bury my head in the sand and be looking the other way. Yeah, I'm going to be like, oh, no. Okay, God, do what you got to do. Okay, they're healed. Okay, hallelujah, look what God did. You know, we're all like, yeah, you know, when I sit at the right, the right hand of God, you know, when I get to heaven, you know, you guys missed that, didn't you? When I said the right hand of God, that's my left hand. I want the right hand of God, you know. Good thing I wrote left and L and R on my hands. I missed it. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> I wrote it in disappearing ink, so it's only when I get anointed does the R and L come out, you know. Anyway, those of you that want to come up for prayer after service, you men will go left and the women will go this way because we know they're always right. Did you really say that? <laughs> My wife, boy, she's going to, I get home, she's going to pop. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you know, all right. God's got the magic touch. And then there are always people, there are always people that want to do you harm. Show us the the next portion of scripture I entitled this rocks hurt it says then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead they did their best they tried you know here last week pastor talked about the fact that this group of men tried they didn't get it done why Because Paul and Barnabas boogied. They went, oh, they're going to get, oh, they, you know, hmm, you know, 
they got out. Now they're down the roadways and these men are following them. Let me tell you, there are people that will go out of their way to throw rocks at you because they don't like you. They don't like what you are doing. When I was living in Southeast Asia years ago, I had some guy come into my, into what we called them hooches. I had some guy come into my hooch, and I knew that he hadn't liked me very much. And we're out there, and it's the middle of the night, and he goes, hey, wake up. I was thinking, mm, hallelujah. God, I'm waking up. What do you want me to do? Glory. Mm, who do I touch? I looked up, and here's this guy standing there with this grenade in his hand. He goes, I don't like you. I don't like you and your Christian crap. And I'm thinking, please don't pull the pin. And he's going, you know, I came over here to pull this pin tonight. And I'm thinking, please don't pull the pin. Please don't pull the pin. You know, please, 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 please. So he talked for a little bit, and pretty soon he says, you're not worth it. And I was like, oh, home for two weeks you know I was like, oh, you know okay so people don't like you and people will go out of their way to throw stones at you and following up on what pastor said last Sunday those stones are going to hurt people are going to hit you with some rocks some of them are going to be lies some of them are just going to be perversions. Some of them are going to be whatever, but they're going to throw stones at you, and those stones are going to hurt. So what do we do? Well, may you die and not go to heaven. That means go to hell. May you die and not go to heaven, you know. And, you know, i, I got to close. We... There was this sister church that I was involved with. Some kids broke into the church one time and they, they stole a basket of pennies and nickels that was setting up on the altar. And this pastor was up and we just cursed those that took our money. May they be cursed, you know. And I was thinking, maybe they were hungry. Maybe they just wanted a Anyway, you know, if we're not careful, we throw stones too. You know, if we're not careful, we retaliate in the same way. I'll show you. You know, you throw a rock at you. Who do you think you are? You know, <laughs> I know about you here. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> you know, no. What we do is we have to learn when people throw stones at us, even when they hit us, even when it hurts, we have to learn how to get up on our two feet and continue on. That's what we have to do. There is no other response. We don't curse them. We don't hate them. We don't throw stones back at them. When we get hit with these stones, we're just like, okay, all right. You know, one, one more illustration. I, can I have another just two minutes maybe, Pastor? Okay. One more illustration. I got home from Southeast Asia. In case you haven't figured it out yet, Southeast Asia was Vietnam for me. I just thought I'd clarify that up in case you thought I went there in ministry. You know, 
unless those bullets were scriptures, I think. <laughs> okay, at any rate, didn't tell people for 40 years I was in Vietnam. Never spoke about it publicly. So this is a first that I would even say it. But anyway, so uh, I'm going to tell you a story. But at any rate, so we don't throw stones. We don't retaliate. We don't do any of that, church. We just first find what God wants us to do. We let ministry naturally flow from that. You know, if you're baking a cake, that's what you do. And the neighbors are over helping you bake cakes. Then you just naturally love them, minister to them. If you're at the store and you're like me, you're kind of a people person. If you're at the store and you notice that the clerk has got a little tear in her eye and she's kind of messing up a little bit, you know, and you notice she really doesn't, you, you don't have to go, well, Jesus sent me today with a word. But you just lean in and go, hey, you okay? And she goes, kind of struggling. And you went, oh, you know you're going to respond. Kind of struggling. Then all you have to do is just reach out and maybe touch her on the elbow or him on just say, it's okay. You're going to get through this. Believe me. God's going to come and help you. He's gonna, it's going to be okay. You're going to make it. You know. Then you pay for your food and you go your way. Whatever. You know, that's called the natural flow of ministry. You know. So, in conclusion, and I mean it, so they stoned him and they drug him outside the city thinking that he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, they too thinking he was dead, he got up. That would have been a shock. He got up and went back into the city. Now they're singing, you know, uh, Kenny Rogers' song again because the next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. You know, I think God is here with us in this town. I think we better get on down the road. <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but I don't like being stoned. So none of us, pastor said, are going to be 100% successful. Let that sink in. None of us are going to be 100% successful. It's not going to happen. Not going to be. We're never going to pray, and 100% of the people we pray for are going to be miraculously healed. Some of them are just going to continue right on do, doing what they're doing, the way that things are happening in their life. You know, you ever wonder why Paul was never cured from his eyes after he was blinded on the road? Okay. <clears throat> so at any rate, think about a couple of things I said. If I said anything that makes sense to you, if I left any nuggets laying along the road that you might pick up and you might put, you know, in your heart that you might through the week be able to use as you minister and do what God has called you to be. I'm not a welder and I never will be. If I tried to be a welder, I'd come home blind after about two days. You are. what any of you people are 
So if I said anything that kind of struck your mind, think about it. Take it home with you. Why don't we have the worship team come up? Think about it a little bit. Maybe when you go through your week, something might happen. Something might strike your mind from here this morning, and you might be able to uh, share it with someone that their life might be changed. Okay? Make it simple. Just like I am. Don't make it tough. Just make it